Blog Talk Radio. Morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Naja E. Brown, your host, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime, and you can reach us through our website at yieldtothekingministry.org. Well, welcome to today's episode entitled, The Spirit-Filled Life. Spirit-Filled Life. And I am going to read the promotional material so that we will have a good foundation from which to work. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Every believer receives the gift of the Holy Spirit upon conversion. God is not seen, but experienced. Jesus Christ is pictured during his ministry and hanging on Calvary's cross. On the other hand, the Holy Spirit is not pictured, but is described with symbols such as a dove, a tongue of fire or flame, the wind, a lamp, rays of light, a cloud, water, and oil are just a few examples. He is, he is a person, not it, and indwells and fills believers so we can walk in his power and guidance. Chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 say, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. A spirit-filled, the spirit-filled life, I should say. Right now I'm teaching a women's Bible study. It's entitled Relying on the Holy Spirit, and it's a book by Dr. Charles F. Stanley. <clears throat> the study is so powerful that I thought I want, would share with you what we've been learning. As I've already said, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons exist in God as one entity. They coexist with different three different personalities and functions, but cannot be separated. God gives the Holy Spirit. We can't invite him in. We can't tarry for him. And he doesn't just arbitrarily land on us. It's packaged with God's gift of salvation. God is perfect in all his ways. Do you think that he would ask us to live a spirit-filled life without providing us with what we need? That's not the God we serve. He provides, he promises, and protects us. As believers in Christ, we are fully equipped to live a spirit-filled life, full of God's power. He's given us everything we need to fulfill his purpose and plan for our lives. 
Christ breathed on the disciples in the upper room and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But he told them to wait on ministry. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the whole body of believers. After Pentecost, the Spirit was imparted to those who believed, in some cases by the laying on of hands. Peter experienced uh, Cornelius' conversion in Acts chapter 10, and that conversion demonstrated that the Jew and Gentile were to be saved under precisely the same conditions. The Holy Spirit was given without delay. Every believer is born of the Spirit, according to John 3, verses 3 through 6, which we read. I actually read 5 through 6. And the Spirit is, we are indwelt by the Spirit, whose presence, the believer's body, a temple. And then we are baptized with the Spirit, thus sealing us for God. Uh, purpose. So let's take a look at John 20, chapter 20, verses 21 through 22. This is the New International Version. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And verse 22 says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the New International Version, it reads, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So there are supporting scriptures that I want to present to solidify the four important points about the Holy Spirit. The first point is the Holy Spirit is a person. We've already said that. It's not an it. He's not an it. He is a person. He is part of the Godhead. There are three different uh, personalities and and functions that coexist within God as one entity. So let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses 8 through 9, New International Version, and it reads, Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Nine says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Again, the Holy Spirit is given to believers. And then the second point that I want to make is the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. We've already talked about that, but I want to give you some passages That will solidify what I've just shared with you. We can go all the way back to Genesis in chapter 1, verse 26, New International Version, and find out that the Holy Spirit was in existence then. Verse 26, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, And then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Us. God didn't say, let me make mankind in my image and in my likeness. He said, no, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And then in John 14 Verses 16 through 17, New International Version, it reads, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, 
spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The third point I want to make is the Holy Spirit is God's promise to believers. So we already read that if you don't have, and this is in Romans 8, uh, verse 9, it says, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So it's God's promise to the believers. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, New International Version, it reads, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, New International Version, it reads, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And it goes on to say, I think in verse 20, you've been bought with a price. But let's take a look at 2 Timothy verse 1, chapter 1, verse 14, New International Version. And it says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Guard it with the help. So we're not in this alone. God has promised us the gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells and fills and seals us. And whatever we're doing in this life, and prayerfully it's going to be spirit-filled, we're not doing it alone. We can't do it alone. We have to rely and depend on the Holy Spirit. The fourth point that I want to make is the Holy Spirit is the power of the believer. Let's read Jack's uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, New International Version. This is the account of the coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Verse 2 says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3 says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Verse 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then in Romans chapter 8, verses 10 through 11, New International Version, it reads, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And then verse 11 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And then in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27, New International Version, listen to this. This is a, this is a promise. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Verse 27 says, and he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Boy, that's a comfort. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 through 21, New International Version, it reads, 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us, verse 21 says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all, all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what is a spirit-filled life? It's a life of listening to, heeding, and being under the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's everything that we know that this Holy Spirit does on our behalf. So what does the Spirit do on our behalf? Well, we've learned a little bit already. He's an advocate and a helper, and we're sealed or marked. He lives within us. But let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some things to you here, share some things with you. He is a helper who teaches and reminds. He convicts us of sin. He actually convicts the world of sin. He dwells in believers and fills them. He is a source of revelation, wisdom, and power. He guides to all truth, including knowledge of what is to come. He gives spiritual gifts to believers. He is a seal in the lives of believers. He helps in a Christian's weakness and intercedes for them. He makes, he makes believers new and gives them eternal life. He sanctifies and enables believers to bear good fruit in their lives. And in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, the New International Version, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, parents, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So in conclusion, living a spiritual life shouldn't be difficult. Yet it is challenging. Why is it challenging? Because it will require for us to surrender and yield our will. We must learn to depend and rely on the Holy Spirit. In other words, move self out of the way and let God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have his way. It's then and only then can we be more and more Christ-like and exhibit his character in our daily walk? Remember, the Holy Spirit indwells, fills, and seals every believer. He is not afar, he is not aloof, and nor does he abandon us. I challenge us to make an intentional decision to live a spirit-filled life today and in our days ahead. And with that, May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again for weeks. God bless you. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. 
Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we are the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.